Revelation. I feel like at this rate, that Jesus, it is entirely possible, might return before we make it out uh, to chapter 10, but I just have really felt that we need to take our time on it. And, and hey, the good news is for the next foreseeable future, every time I say open your Bible, it's gonna be pretty easy to find. So, you know, there's the silver lining of this. Um, Revelation chapter four, let's start in verse five. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices and seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And we talked about that a few weeks ago that I don't believe that means there are seven actual entities of God, but it speaks of Isaiah 11, the sevenfold nature of God. In verse six, before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back, and the first living creature was like a lion, and the second living creature like a calf, and the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was flying uh, like a flying eagle. And in verse eight, the four living creatures, each had six, uh, having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and they were created. Lord, would you give us insight today into your word and that it wouldn't be an academic exercise but rather a a spiritual communication from you to each of us individually. It's in your name we pray, amen. It's been kind of a weird week at the Tyler house. Um, I... There are a several. There are a couple of things that I have completely irrational fear of. One is flying, which is sort of ironic, what the Lord has had me doing the past few years of my life and continues to do. The other is uh, spiders. Not a fan. Not a fan, even kinda, of them. Uh, irrational. It was. I think when I was little, uh, fourth or f- I don't know, five years old. There was a brief moment in time where the Tylers got the movie channel. Uh, it was like brand new on the thing and it was gone about by fall as I recall because none of us would sleep with the lights off anymore because we kept watching crazy stuff on TV and you know you throw a witch in the, no it wasn't witch in the woods it was a vampire in the basement movie the witch in the woods came later uh, but there was one where it was like where spiders took over an entire town and they wrapped the whole thing and it just I terrified me I had nightmares of it so unfortunately for us that uh, in the, the, the new Tyler uh, house is uh, been we've had some spiders and uh, and I don't like that even a little bit. Uh, we, we bring in the exterminator guy, we're taking pictures of them, which is kind of, because you, you need to crush them, but then we need pictures so we can see what they are, and, well, and they, don't, you know, they don't exactly stop and smile, so you lose some of them under the, under the wood when you do that. But he gets there, and uh, they, they say extermination a little differently than I do, because I thought exterminate meant they go away, but what he said was, okay, now we're gonna spray in the walls here, and then you know, over the next 30, 60 days, you're gonna see a lot more of them. 
It's like, okay, back up a second, because I thought, we, you know, when we came, and, and it was like, a, so, so we got glue traps all over the house, which has worked pretty well, uh, except for when our dog Samson got his nose crammed into one, which was actually, quite honestly, may have been worth the whole thing, actually, but... Uh, <laughs> And then, and then to make it even weirder, we had some friends stop by the house uh, Monday, uh, Sunday night. They're uh, pastor friends of ours, and they're going to the beach, and we're you know a good halfway point. And and uh, they get in, they get settled, go to bed about 2 a.m. And then the next night, he uh, he announces to me, "Hey, you weren't out on the back deck last night with a flashlight, were you?" Which you know, no, I was not on the deck at 3:30 in the morning with a flashlight. And he says, well, it's weird because I came down to go to the bathroom and there were these two guys standing on the deck with a flashlight, a phone flashlight. And, and of course, a couple things are immediately coming to mind. Hey, well, so why didn't you come get me then? <laughs> you like, we had a whole day. There were, we drove into town. There was some awkward silence that you could have filled up with, the, hey, there were some guys on your deck last night. And he says, well, I just thought maybe they were there to... And, uh, <laughs> hang out with Maddie. It's 3.30 in the morning. That doesn't make it better. <laughs> Not helpful. So that, na- that next day, that night I was, I was obviously, I didn't sleep much. I'm a little jumpy. And um, every time the wind, like a fan hit my hair on my arm, I'm like, I'm already jumping because I think it's a spider. And then I'm thinking, okay, and there's a couple of dudes running around. I don't know. And I, you know, and I sleep. I don't know how you sleep, but I've, I've sleep with a gun near me. And there was a point about I don't know three in the morning that next night where I thought I had to get up and, and go for a little bit of a walk because had I, I promise you, had a spider have showed up on my leg that night, I would have shot it. <laughs> I was I was that jumpy at that point. And so the week progressed, <laughs> or digressed, I should say. It was a moment where Shannon is, uh, it's the morning, she's got her jeans and, and she puts your pants on and then there's a spider like hauling up her leg, which is not cool, not cool at all. So by yesterday, I was uh, in somewhat of a surly, foul, and uncomfortable mood pretty much most of the afternoon and into the evening. Like the point where I kept trying not to talk because if I did it, I just was going to say unhelpful things. Um, and I apologize for being grumpy uh, last night. I was trying to not, I, was, I did really good at not barking at the kids. Scale of one to 10, about a three with Shannon. But I didn't bark as much as I just didn't say anything, which sometimes is bad. But I, it was ironic because one of the things I was the most, I was like, I gotta get a sermon tomorrow. I gotta, Arr. and then ironically, the sermon that I'm even working on is about judgment about God and standing before his throne someday. And by last night, I'm thinking, man, you know, uh, we can just go ahead and get this over with now, God, because I done uh, screwed this up. So if you just want to go ahead and put a, you know, a demerit on my chart or whatever that looks like, uh, pull my card. I, I don't know what, that, what you do. Um, but as that day was progressing, this ironic thing was happening. As I was kind of blowing it, uh, and, and interestingly enough, I, we have sheep, and so I, I thought, well, that'd be a good use of my time, just go and be just cranky with them. Uh, because they're not real humans or whatever. And, and so I did that a little bit. And, um, but I, I was really wondering about that in, in the context of we're all going to stand before the throne of God someday. I mean, 
there's a, we all get a lot of options in this life that we're gonna get to do and be, and, but one, we all end up in the same place at some point, and that is standing before the Lord to be judged. The, the God that would judge better than Solomon, you remember Solomon when the two mothers brought a child in and they fought and said, no, it's my baby, and no, it's my baby, and he said, maybe a dingo ate your baby, but no, he didn't. He said, oh, if you take the baby, Seinfeld, no. He said, take the baby and chop it in half, and, and then, uh, and then the, one of the mothers says, oh, no, 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 that's not, don't do that, you know, and he said, that's the real mother because a real mother would, would act like that, and now the story has been told, I don't know if it's true, that later uh, in life that two moms had come in with a, with a young man before Solomon and said, hey, uh, he promised to marry my daughter. And the other mom said, no, he promised to marry my daughter. And the fight unfolded and Solomon said, uh, bring him before me and let's with a sword and we will chop him in half. And one of the mothers said, oh, no, 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 I, I let her have him, you know, it's fine. And the other mom said, no, no, chop him in half. And Solomon said, give it to the mom who said, chop him in half, for she has spoken with the true spirit of a mother-in-law. I, I don't know if that's true. I don't think it is, but I've heard, you know, that it is. But the, the, the fact is, is that we're going to stand before Jesus someday, all of us. And the Bema Seat Judgment, which Paul speaks of in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 5, and he says we're all gonna stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and, and which it's interesting because maybe that's why John would say, beloved love one another, 1 John 4. Because I would rather, you know, and even in this pastor gig, sometimes I think my job is to figure out who's right and who's wrong in a confrontation, and so I'm trying to you know, judge this thing, and, and it's almost like the Lord is saying, hey, you need to be busy doing the loving and let me do the judging. And I would sometimes rather have it the other way around, that I get to do the judging and let Jesus do the loving. But we get to let him do the judging because he's just better at it than us, that he sees things that I can't see and knows things that I can't know. And, and we talked last week about this throne and how the, the, the person on the throne is Jesus and that this throne is permanent and that there, there's proclamation of grace around the throne. And, and, and when I look here though, I, I see not only that, I see the peace before the throne, the glass and the, the sea, and, but there's thunder and lightning coming from the throne. What is proceeding from the throne, I think, in verse five, is thunder and lightning. And, and so the, the, of the, of, as far as the, uh, the Baptist part of me, that, you know, which is not very much, you have to have the matching you know, letters in it. The proceeded from the thrones we didn't get to last week because I thought, well, we probably need to, we need to dig into this a little bit. Because thunder and lightning coming out of the throne, that doesn't, that's kind of spooky. It, or it, it can be, it feels spooky. I mean, we were in, in Guatemala uh, last two weeks ago and when the, when the uh, volcano erupted, like, was it you guys that were like in the village, the lady was like, oh, Dios, <laughs> like she's like, uh, you know, because that's not very exciting when, when thunder and lightning is coming out of the mountain. That's usually preceded uh, with, with, there's bad things coming. But there's a storm on the mountain, but there's glass on the sea, it's calm. So that's interesting to me that Jesus would say there's thunder and lightning, which means there's a storm, but yet the sea is calm. Jesus would calm the sea. Remember him when he did that with the storms that he would walk on and he'd say, I'm, you know, look, I'm just gonna calm this down. And I wonder if there's a picture in that for us. 
that I'm going to stand before the throne. And, and look, there's, you, you look at the scriptures and there's almost two parallel versions of judgment and that's because there is. We're gonna to get to a point where we're gonna talk about the great white throne judgment and that is for those who have rejected Christ, who didn't believe in him, who said, I don't want you to be Lord over me. And that is a throne where I would, or you could stand before if you chose to that said, I didn't want you to be the Lord over me, so I'm going to stand here on my own merits and, and see if I'm good enough. And the answer, of course, is it's not. And it's a bad place to be and you don't want any part of that. If you are a believer and you have chosen to follow Christ and chosen to believe that he said he, is who he, said he was, and there's a different throne. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 5. Uh, the word bema seat, it made for a great Petra song in the late 80s, but it really is a thing. This, this bema seat, which was about where the judge would stand on the finish line of a race in ancient Greece and would and declare the winners as they're coming in. And it says in 1 Corinthians 3 that some of us are going to get to that point as believers, but we're, everything that we did that wasn't a work that was of him, that was bad, that, that we would, uh, at least this is how I had previously thought about it, as a matter of fact, would all burn up. The wood, hay, and stubble, you remember that? And whatever's left is just the gold. And so my interpretation of that historically had been this, that if I had done work at all that was good, but if, it, if I was in the flesh, if I had a bad attitude pretty much all week, that anything that I'm doing that week is wood, hay, and stubble, that it all burns away. The judgment was a zero-sum game, all or nothing. And I gotta tell you, that's a little disconcerting and it's uh, demotivating, and why even try? And if my thought is of this Bema seat, which is not about punishment, but is about reward, as a believer, I'm gonna stand before him and oh, be blessed for this, you've done this, and I'm gonna reward you for that, and, and it talks about the crowns of, of authority and things that he's gonna give us, and, and, but if I lose it all because it just burns up in wood, hay, and stubble, then it feels like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm the only guy that thought this, but maybe it feels like, well, I, I just pretty much screw up every day. I have bad attitudes all the time. My motives are pure sometimes. Like, I, I don't know that I've ever had a pure motive. I've had predominant motives. But inside of me is the impure motive of, well, I want you to like me too, so doesn't that make me happy? And then this weird dysfunction thing, and then does the whole thing go out, and will I ever achieve it? And, and if you, while I'm talking about this, if you would go with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15, I would love for you to be... And look, if you don't agree with me about when we're done with this, that's fine. Pray about it, what the Lord would say to you. But I think that if you don't hear anything, even in the entire book of Revelation that we're going through, if today, if you hear this, and see if it hits the Lord with you, because if it's demotivating, if the idea of standing before the Lord is terrifying, and as humans, when we're terrified of something, we do a couple things. We either ignore it, we put our head in the sand, we just pretend it's not gonna happen, we just won't even think about it. I mean, judgment's talked about over and over and over and over and over again in scripture, and with the notable exception of tent revivals, you don't really hear that very much on a Sunday. Because it's not a lot of fun, unless I have it wrong. Unless that when Paul said, hey, comfort one another with these words that the Lord is gonna return with a shout and take us, that that's a comforting thought. Maybe the reason it isn't comforting to me is I might have misunderstood. And look what he would say to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 15, 
Verse 19, therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, then I will bring you back. You shall stand before me. And look at this, if you take out the precious from the vial, you shall be as my mouth. I'm gonna make you my spokesperson. Jeremiah was leading a group of people who were obstinate, who were rebellious, who were jerks. And the Lord is saying to him, if you can take the precious out of the, extract the good out of them, extract the good of what's happening in this, find the silver lining, if you will. If you'll do this, you can be my spokesperson. Now that's God telling Jeremiah to do that, and I think it's because this is a glimpse of the heart of God. A God that would extract the good from the bad from us. Because we will all stand before that throne someday, and the stuff that was bad will burn and be gone. But what is left is the precious, the gold, the silver, unharmed. At our home about a week ago when Maddie went to Guatemala, she, um, she has a promise ring and it's, it's gold and there's diamonds in it. And in and, and, and a last minute, oh, we probably shouldn't take that to Guatemala. Let's put it, hide it someplace where it'll be safe. And so she puts it in a candle in, uh, in our bedroom uh, and just puts it over there and puts the lid back on it. And when we go to Guatemala, now, if you know something about candles, they get lit from time to time. And, and the, the ring had slowly and surely disappeared under the wax. So that when we got back, Maddie's like, uh, where's my ring? It's not in here, it's gone. It's, it's... And it was gone. But we lit the candle and it burned away the wax and what was left was the ring, unharmed and untouched. If anything, it looked a little bit better. It was clean, because gold and silver survives fire. Fire, listen to me, fire is not bad news if you're gold. Fire is great news. And sometimes I think the problem is I look in the mirror and I don't see the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I see the wood, hay, and the stubble. I see the jerk, the butt, the guy that had bad attitude. And so I just don't, why even try? And the heartbeat of God says, I can extract the good even from the bad. Jesus would do this in his walk on earth if you would go with me to Mark chapter nine. There's a passage there that I think is a glimpse of how Jesus would handle this because keeping in mind these four and 20 elders, when they throw their crowns down before him, it's not because he made them do it. They're doing it because they wanted to, because God, you are so good. You are so amazing that I thought I was blowing it and I I did blow it in this, but yet you still managed to find the good in this. I don't even deserve it. Throw my crown at your feet kind of good. And I think that if we really understand how good he is, that it'll flabbergast us, that we'll be floored, floored like they are, dropped on the floor with our crowns on the ground. And Jesus would do this with John when he says in verse 41, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink, actually, 
Go back with me, the context of this. Remember what we say here, if you take the text out of the context, all you're left was a con, okay? So go back to verse 38, and look what he said here. Now John answered him saying, teacher, we saw someone who doesn't follow us casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he doesn't follow us. But Jesus said, do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. Remember that old, you know, if you're not with us, you're against us. Jesus was saying to John, I remember John basically in the context saying, hey, we saw these guys and they were doing this and they're casting demons out, but they weren't with us. They're not following up and doing it like we're doing it. So we forbade them and Jesus said, oh, no, no, don't forbid them. And I, I see in that a picture of, hey, there are other churches in town, other believers around that do things a little bit different than we do. And my... <laughs> background temptation, ah, you can't do it that way because you're not one of us, you're not doing it the way that I would do it. I forbid you, even if you don't say it, even if you don't say it out loud, you forbid them by just not hanging out with them. I don't want to be associated with them because they do it wrong, they do it different. And Jesus said to him, hey, if you're doing it in my name, don't forbid them. They might do it differently than we do. Don't forbid them. Whoever's not against us is for us. They might do it differently. They might, listen, they might not even do it right. They might get to heaven and realize, oh, I could have done this so much differently. I could have, I didn't have to wear a suit and tie every Sunday. I mean, it sounds dumb, but I didn't have to do that. And Jesus, but I'll work through them anyway. I found a lot of freedom in that because those, these theological debates, especially the ones online, are always about what about the scripture? What about that scripture? What about that? Well, now they're both in the Bible, so now what do we do? Forbid him not and say that we're going to agree on these big picture things of Jesus Christ dying and rising again from the dead and the third day just as the scriptures foretold. And, and you might not do it, you might do it differently than I do. It might make me uncomfortable the way you do it. But I'm not going to forbid you because I'm going to love you because Jesus is so much better at judging than I am. But he said to them, don't forbid him. And look when he says, for whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. The heartbeat of God is that you may not even do it 100% right, but I'm still going to give you a reward if you're doing it in my name. And not like I announce, you know, (laughs) I announce to you in the name of Jesus, I will give you this piping hot beverage. It's not just because I declare Jesus' name in front of it. It's because it's the nature of who he is. If I do that, I will not lose my reward Even just a cup of water, something so simple and easy. And I feel bad because I think, how many times could I have been handed out just doing just something as simple as a cup of cold water? But it didn't feel like it was enough, or it didn't feel like it was impacting, or it's no big deal, and I just don't, I have a bad attitude, and I don't do anything And yet I could stand before the throne someday and say, even if you just did the cup of cold water, because that's the nature of who Jesus is, you're going to be rewarded for that. That's the nature of God. You don't even have to do something huge. And I think that's important because in a world that we live in, we tend to just celebrate the big story. The one who sold everything and moved. And we, you know, Andrew and Glenda, what they've done is amazing. When they moved here, they just pitched everything and we're going to do this. And so I could think, well, I can't do that because I can't. And so I, I want, why even try? 
It's interesting that, remember the, when Jesus invited the disciples, so he invited Peter to walk on the water, if you remember that story. And there have been a lot of sermons of, well, if uh, all those other disciples, I might have even preached this as a youth pastor, if they'd have just gotten out of the boat, they could have had what Peter had. And sounds so great, but Jesus didn't ask Peter to do anybody else. He just asked Peter. It's possible had they jumped out of the boat, they'd have sunk because Jesus didn't tell them to do that. Your obedience isn't about how big or how little, even just a cup of cold water that I'm gonna reward you as long as you're doing it in my name. And so instead of paralyzing myself with the idea that my attitude is bad and I'm doing it in the flesh or that it's not big enough and I can't do enough of it or I'm not, I don't even know how to do it right maybe, Jesus said, I got it. I'm gonna extract the precious from the vile. It's not like he is looking for the vile among the precious in the gotcha moment of digging out going, oh, see, there you go, busted, told you, there's that one. No, that stuff burns away, and you know what happens when something burns away? It's gone, it's disappeared, it's over, and the good is left. It's not the opposite. Don't let that be lost on you because it means something, it matters, and he would say it again, and hmm, how do we do this? Go with me quickly to John chapter six. You might not think that you've got the right, you've got what it takes as far as your attitude or you might do it in the flesh or or you might not think that I could do something big enough or you might not even think that I could do it good, like right. I don't know, I don't have any skills in that area. I don't even know how to do what Jesus has called me. I'm disqualified because I haven't been to four years of cemetery or I haven't had a degree on my wall. I haven't, anything. I'm just, I'm completely disqualified from it. Jesus in this vignette, this what actually happened when he fed 5,000 is such a promise for me because he, in his hands, when I put it in his hands, in my hands I'm not gonna get very far with it, but when I join with his hands something happens. If I, if I, had, a, uh, <laughs> if I had a basketball in here today, it'd be worth what, about 20 bucks tops? In the, my hands a basketball is worth nothing, but in the hands of uh, LeBron James, it's worth like, what, 20 million? I could bring a golf club in here and it's worth, what's well, a weapon. I could use it for prowlers on my back deck. <laughs> Incidentally, that was one of you. Uh, just kidding. But in the hands of Tiger Wood, right? I mean, that's worth a lot of money. In the hands of me, if I bring a, a violin in here, uh, you know, it's a torture device, but Travis Terrell, who's not with us this morning, you give him a violin and man, Amazing. If, I, if it's in my hands, it's just a stick. I've got one in the backyard for my sheep, uh, the staff. In fact, we used it for the uh, church children's thing a while back. It makes a great like Moses. So I'm out there looking all patriarch with my staff. But in my hands, it's just a stick. In Moses' hands, it parted the Red Seas. In my hands, it's just a piece of leather strap that might work as a belt, but in David's hands, it was a weapon. In my hands, if it's a hammer and nails, it's just, I can maybe get you, a, I don't know, a birdhouse tops, but in Jesus' hands, a hammer and a nail bought salvation for all of us. And in this, what I see is him saying, hey, we want to feed these people. And the guys are like, all we got in our hands is just this nothing. We have just enough money to maybe get by today. And Andrew shows up, well, I've got this, this these little 12 loaves, and I don't know what to, this that I took from this kid. And, 
And Jesus would feed 5,000 people, and look at what it does. He feeds not only the 5,000, they're all not only fed, they're satiated, they're stuffed. No room for dessert. And 12 baskets left over. 12, because there were 12 of them. A reward for those disciples, each of them. You couldn't do this on your own. Your faith didn't even really get there. You weren't, you know, smart enough to realize I could do this. I've done walked on water and all this stuff. But, I, but I'm still going to reward you because you at least took some steps and tried and followed what I asked you to do. Even if you didn't do it right or do it with the best attitude, there's a reward for it for you because our God is good and he extracts the precious from the vile. And you might think, Darren, I feel like you might be stretching this a little bit from one thing from Jeremiah in chapter 15. And I, I can see why you would think that. Would you go to Hebrews 11 with me? Because the picture of what God does in our lives on this side of heaven and the other of how he can extract the precious from the vile is summed up so beautifully in Hebrews 11. You're gonna remember this is the hall of faith. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, all these guys that just kicked butt, took names. And he records them, by faith this happened, by faith that happened. But look, look with me on this. When you get to verse 30, it says, hey, yeah, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. And by faith the harlot Rahab didn't perish. Whoa, whoa, back up. Listed alongside of Moses and Abraham is a harlot. To put that in modern day times, I mean a porn star. Someone who was for money. Someone who, even when she saved what she did, what she did and saved the, the people of Israel and saved the two spies, she lied about it. And she makes it into this because I think that our God is good enough and wise enough and it's why I really need to leave the judging up to him that he can extract precious from vile and say that Rahab, man, she was nobody you'd want your boy to marry. But she is in the hall of faith because she believed and it can extract precious from vile. And he would go on, look and say in verse 32 for Gideon. Gideon? Gideon was a coward. He was a chicken. He was a put the fleece out and then it happens and then he still didn't believe. And then he went back and I gotta do more. I didn't believe. Gideon. And God would extract precious from that and say he's, he's in this hall of faith. And I, I, it's, it's above my pay grade to know what he sees in that. But he sees maybe it's the guy who was obedient. Even if he was scared and even if he didn't, he argued and he was belligerent about it and he, he at least took some steps towards that. And then there's Barak and I think this one is hysterical. I really find it fascinating because Barak, the enemies of Israel were bearing down on them and they needed to go out and to go to war and Barak's like, I don't want any part of that. And he sends out Deborah. Remember Deborah? Like the Jewish version of a soccer mom. And she charges into battle with Barak hiding behind her skirt. And it was a, a woman named Jael. If you remember, if you don't remember the story, it's fascinating. You should go there later. But one of the, uh, the, the captain of the, of the army of the Midianites, they, they, they'd escaped. And he had, was hiding out in her tent. And it says that she took a tent peg and drove it through his temple into the ground while he was sleeping. That's Jael. There were songs sung about her and about Deborah, but look who makes it into the hall of faith, Barak. Maybe it's just because he went anyway. I mean, he might have been hiding behind <laughs> Deborah, 
but he went and I think that God can look into that and say I can extract precious, I can extract the gold, the silver, from the wood, the hay, and the stubble. Samson, I mean, good Lord. You think of Samson, you think of Delilah, you think of how stupid this guy was. And how even in his last act, when he defeated Philistines, he did it out of anger. It wasn't even a pure motive. He's ticked off. They've gouged his eyes out, and God can extract precious from Samson and say, no, but there was faith in this guy. And Jephthah, if you have Cottonmouth, that's a really bad name. Jephthah. Jephthah. I, this one is, 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 is fascinating to me. Jephthah, he returns from battle and he had made a promise and a vow that said, I will sacrifice the first thing that I see. And I'm assuming he gets back thinking, I'm gonna see a goat or a cow or whatever. And, a, and he sees his daughter. This guy makes it into the hall of faith because God can extract precious from the vile. And when we stand before him someday, I believe that you and I will join the four and 20 elders and throw our crowns at his feet. It talks about those crowns and maybe we'll get into that in these next few weeks about what it means, the, the rewards. We're not gonna be just floating around heaven on clouds with harps. This is an, like an, the adventure continues. This is the next book in the trilogy. It's gonna be awesome. And everything that I will do on that side of heaven has everything to do with what I do on this side of heaven. Not my salvation. That is secure. That much is sure. But how I will spend it is due and to what I'm doing here. Faith without works is dead. We can rest in our salvation and it is secure. But I want to bring some crowns to the party that I can throw at his feet. Conduit was born out of a pretty simple idea. I was having a, a conversation with my, I think it was Ashley, might have been Maddie, but there was a test that she was taking, and it was an open book test. And I thought, well, welcome to the public education system. Just open book test. All the answers are right there. All she had to know, know was that, well, you know, what were the questions on the test, and it hit me at some point around there, Matthew 24, 25. I don't know 100% of what Jesus is gonna ask me, like what the grade scale, I don't know. But I know some of the questions, because he tells me, or, did you feed me when I was hungry? Did you clothe me when I was naked? Did you visit me when I was in prison? There are those, are the, that's on the list. Whatever else is there, I don't know, but I know that's there. And seven or eight years ago, my answer was, nope, 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 nope. Don't even know anybody that knows anybody. That's, nope. And the Lord in his mercy woke me up and gave me opportunities to, to love some little boys and girls who couldn't possibly repay us and it's continued, and I hope that maybe you, if you haven't already, find those opportunities as well in your life, because we know this, that even if you just brought him a cup of cold water, he's gonna reward you for it. You're not gonna lose your reward, and you wanna be able to bring the crowns to the party, something to throw down, something that is, we're going to, apparently he's going to give back to us when he'll pick him up and in my mind's eye I can see him saying, no, 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 it is yours, it's you, you know. <laughs> like when Ethan helps me mow the yard. <laughs> Riding mower, I mean, he's not, you know, steering, but I reward him because he's my son. And maybe he wasn't steering very good or actually a couple times I let him go and it, he, he, he really, it's more like an art project than it is a, 
as far as the lines go. <laughs> but he's rewarded not based on how good he's mowing the yard, but because he's my boy and I love him. I want to be able to bring the crowns. Then Jesus has set the bar so low <laughs> for it that he could extract it good from anything. I just don't want to show up with nothing or with something. My wife and I, years and years ago, I hesitate to tell this story in a room full of grown-ups because it's possible you might know this family. But we, uh, when I was at a company called the William Morris Agency, we worked with a client, one of my clients was a guy named Dino Kartsanotkis. You know who Dino is? Piano player? Christian music Liberace guy? Dino uh, and his wife Cheryl, they're very kind people. There was a thing we were doing in Branson at the time. Well, we get invited to the Christmas party. And it's a white elephant party. So I run by the store on the mall on the way home to get my white elephant gifts and I bring a, I, I purchase a WWF leather wallet with a chain <laughs> and a, like a, a box of sea monkeys, like a little sea monkeys city. So from Shannon and I would both have a gift. And we show up at their house and we're like, this might be bad news because there's like bronze horse statues in the fountain in the front of the house. So we've already, like I'm out of my league already. Normally I wouldn't get into a neighborhood like that unless I had a pickup and a weed eater. But they <laughs> let us in and, and the Christmas party favors when you walk in the door, <laughs> remember this were like these money trees. Uh, at the end of the night they were gonna do a drawing for money trees and one was $500 and 400 and I don't remember. They had flown in some pastry chef from Europe to, uh, for the, uh, for the, the desserts. Uh, we get to the white elephant portion of the evening. And the first gift to come out, I think, was the DVD player. 98, yeah, this is brand new. This is back when a DVD player was like $700. Like, so, there's a moment of like, I might have misunderstood. <laughs> And the next gift comes out, I think it was the next one, was a Larry the Cucumber coffee mug with like a little cucumber in it. I thought, oh, thank God. And it was from Gary McSpadden, I don't know if you know who that is. But and then they're like, oh, I don't want that. And he goes, no, 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 look inside, look inside. And there's a crisp new $100 bill in the uh, Larry the Cucumber. Th their idea of a white elephant party was much different than mine. And there was the moment, of course, everybody knows who it's gotta be, the new kids, because this was like their family and their manager and everybody. I mean, literally, I bet the cheapest gift in there was 100 bucks, it was fascinating. Now it comes the WWE wallet <laughs> with, the, with a chain. And it was actually, the, the, the shame of the whole thing is there's a redneck somewhere in this world that would have thought that was awesome. Because it was cool, it was like the legit one, like the actual certified WWE leather chain on it, you know. I don't want to show up to the throne room with a box of sea monkeys. And look, I know that he can extract good from that. And if there's any good in it, he'll extract it from it. And so I, I don't have to be bummed about it. But what I can know is that he set the bar so low that even a cup of cold water to somebody in need, if I'm doing it in his name because it's his nature, that he's going to reward us for it. And I truly believe this, that when I stand there, when Adam stands there, or David, or 
carry that. We're not standing there based on the merits of what anybody else has done or doing, or what, but only on the merits of what he's asked me to do. When Paul talks about the race, I'm running the race, it's not because I'm running against Jeremy. I'm running against me. And I'll stand there that day, and I hope that we'll all stand there and be floored by his goodness, by how much good he can extract from the vial of my life. And he can dig through the rubble of the war for my heart and find the gold and the silver It might be buried under the fire, but he'll burn it off. And it's not a fire of anger, but a fire, what did it say in Revelation 1, that in his eyes were fire. That fire is a fire of love and all-seeing and all-knowing. And what, what better act of mercy could I get than at the end of this life than to have all the crud burned off of me? That's not an act of Meanness, that's an act of grace and mercy. If you've been ever outside and you've worked all day long, if you've been on a mission trip, you've especially experienced this, that feeling of a shower at the end of the day. How awesome, even if it's cold water at that point, I just, I wanna wash off the nasty. And that fire in his hands, in my hands I could destroy you with it because of my judgment and my cruelty and my motives, but in his hands, that fire is an act of mercy and kindness to burn away the stuff that I don't want to know about anymore, the stuff that I regret pretty much my entire attitude for an entire 24-hour period yesterday. It'll burn away and be left with the good. And if I could encourage you as we are going to worship for just a few more minutes to if you musicians want to join me again, if I could encourage you at all, I would encourage you by saying this poem that was found um, in the halls of, where, of Mother Teresa's orphanage in India, and some of you may have already heard of this, but it says the people are often unreasonable and irrational and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish and ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. And if you're successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies and succeed anyway. If you're honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous, but be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten do good anyway. Give the best that you have, and it will never be enough, and give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. There's going to be opportunities in our lives this week that we can stand before the throne in our own presence of God and just to worship him there, And in his presence is fullness of joy. And I think that that is in worship and in things when we get to sing and there's that. But I think also when he says, if you've done it for the least of these, you've done it unto me. When you're hanging out with people who can't possibly repay you for what you've done and giving into their hearts and they might take advantage of you. In fact, they will, Some most, most likely they will. Do it anyway. Because Jesus is offering you as a sacrifice to say, I'm gonna give you the best of what I have to give. 
you get to be a picture of Jesus, give it anyway. And even if they take advantage of it and it didn't go the way you thought it would go, it wasn't about you, it'll be about you standing before the throne someday and him saying, that was awesome. That was amazing. I, the way you did that, the way you handled that. And yeah, you know what, that, that little attitude you had, but it's gone, it burned away, I don't even see it anymore. Do it anyway. That we can stand before him and as we stand up from that moment of throwing our crowns down and him saying, no, no, and some of you the rulers over 10 cities and some of 15 and whatever, to know that enter in, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant is something we all long to hear. I just don't want to be one of those that is saved as 1 Corinthians 3 says. You're, you'll be saved, but just by fire. You'll get there and they'll be, and you're in heaven, hey, sure beats hell. But if you're going to spend a trillion years wouldn't you want, I don't know, I don't know what reward is, I just know if Jesus said it, then, man, that's awesome. It's gonna be more than I could think. He says, eyes not seen, ears not heard, the things that I have in store for you. So as we worship for just a few minutes more today, your invitation stands for you. If you've, you say, Darren, I don't know I, if I get to stand before this throne or not, this Bema seat throne. I want to. But I don't know. I've never really had that moment where I've said, I want to follow you, Jesus. I, want to, I believe what you said. I believe that you, said, you, know, you died and you rose again. And I, just like the disciples, I, I want to follow you. I've never really had that moment where I turned around. Repent just simply means to change your mind about the way you were thinking about something I didn't really think about God in that way, and now I want to think about him in that way. Repenting is just that. I want to invite you to do that today. If you have up to this point rejected him, and you might say, well, I haven't really rejected him. If you've not accepted him, then that is by the virtue of what it is. Your silence is your consent to reject him. But a loving God says, I don't want you to do that. I've, done, I've laid my life down for you. I want you to be there because I don't want you to be at the great white throne judgment where you have to stand on your own works and your own merits and where I'll have to say, I don't even know you away from me. I want to invite you to not have to go to that throne this morning. I want to invite you to the Bema Seat throne, which is the one where you will be rewarded on that day. The, Jesus on the finish line cheering you on, saying, well done, my faithful servant. And so if that's you, I want to invite, I'm just going to be standing right here. I'd love to pray with you. On the other hand, if you've already secured, so to speak, your invitation to the Bema seat, go for the gold. Pray today that he'll give you ideas and like, yeah, but what if I, I don't, maybe, I, maybe I'm not hearing right from him. And let me tell you what, if, if you feel like, oh, I need to go and serve the neighbor across the street, Deidre shared a little bit, I don't know if she's even here today, but about the experience they're having across the street with their neighbor that they're trying to love on and how it's been a little rough. And go for the gold. I promise you, Satan didn't tell her to go do that. I don't know if I should go to my neighbor. Like, oh, you think God's going to tell you to do that? Or Satan's going to tell you to do that? It's probably the Lord. And if not, do it anyway because he's going to reward you. Take some steps. Take some... 
tell my children this, it's worth repeating. You can't steer a car sitting in the driveway. You gotta leave and get on the road. And, and then as you're hitting the gas, let the Lord steer you where you're supposed to go. And it might be a little jumpy at first. I'm teaching our daughter to drive and it's a little jumpy. <laughs> the Lord will take you to where you need to go so that you can, just as simple as a cup of cold water, is it the nursing home down the street? Is it your, is it your brother or sister you haven't talked to in a long time? Is it your mom or your dad? Is it your own, your children? Is it whatever is the Lord leading you to go and just to do something kind and to offer them something in, in his name and his nature? He'll show you today. As we worship, Lord, would you give us wisdom and discernment and courage to go for the gold that we could be floored by your grace? the race against ourselves today, Lord. I want to take the lead against my flesh. <laughs> I don't let any of us talk ourselves out of it because of our lack of qualification or because I just don't understand. Every one of us is uniquely in a position, no matter where we are right now, to go for the gold. And we can do that the minute I stop comparing myself to someone else or their situation, but just me and where I'm at. And even if it's just the cup of cold water, Lord, then I get to do that. And you said, I'll still be rewarded. How awesome and how great you are. What, a, what an amazing reason to worship you, not only then, but to worship you today. I want to bring lots of crowns to the party. No more sea monkeys. It's in your name we pray. Again, I'm right here. If you've never had a moment where you've said, I want to follow the Lord. I don't want to be before that throne, the great white throne. I want to get to the Bema seat throne. And I'm, I'm right here. I'd love to pray with you. Uh, and for the rest of us, there's going to be a, a basket that'll come by at some moment. That's our opportunity to worship and with our giving. Don't let it distract you, get you out of the, where the Spirit is talking to you, but it's going to come by. There's rewards for that as well. There's rewards for even just giving a hug to somebody on the way out the door. But as we're worshiping now, just be listening for what the Lord might tell you to do.